0: Happy Sunday. Amen. You, go, you glad to be here? We get to worship Jesus today. We get to learn from his word and um, we are in our uh, fifth week, right? Fifth week of our series refocus um, and uh, where we're kind of looking through some areas of life that we need to refocus on, that it's good for us as followers of Jesus, to refocus from time to time because we can get off track, because culture has things that rise to the top sometimes, and it starts to pull our attention that way. And if we're not careful, we can be pulled away from the most important things. And so uh, today we are talking about a faith worth following, all right? A faith worth following. Now, too often I think we get caught up focusing on cultural things. Anybody ever been there? Right, like It pulls you away, and you get frustrated and upset about that, and you're thinking about that more than anything else. And so we have to be people who don't go off track and get sidetracked on things. Uh, not that those things don't have any importance, and we, could, we can certainly think and pray about those things, but we shouldn't focus on them and have them become the most important thing that we focus on, right? And so we don't actually remove ourselves from the world, right? We don't do that. We don't remove ourselves from the world, but we focus on different things, and we love different things than culture loves and focuses on. Are you with me? Right? So, in the world, but not of the world. That's what it means to be set apart as the church, right? The church or the ecclesia means called out ones, right? Summoned together ones or called out ones is, um, is the meaning of what it is to be the church, the ecclesia, right? So the church is God's family, adopted sons and daughters through our position in Jesus Christ, called out for God's purposes, all right? So week one, you remember what we focused on week one in this series? Anybody? All right, we were focused oh boy, we were focusing on the centrality of worship, right? The centrality of worship in our uh, in our lives as believers and followers of Jesus, right? Um, and so week two, anybody remember? With leadership, that's right. we we were focused on good church leadership and it kind of we went through the elders and deacons, the list and and what uh, Paul had to say about Timothy about those things. Uh, week three, we talked about refocusing on a strong, Faith, right? Strong faith. Week four last week, we talked about what? Money? Yeah. We talked about wealth, and that's right, and the truly good life, right? Wealth and the truly good life, because a pile of money doesn't necessarily mean a truly good life, right? And so, uh, and so we talked about those things and maybe how to use those things as believers uh, to really be living uh, the good life. And, uh, and so today, we're refocusing on a faith-worth following, all right? A faith worth following. So we're going to pray. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more, okay? Father, thank you so much for uh, for being here today with us. God, as we are here, we open up your word. Lord, we know that you speak to us. God, we uh, we know that your presence is here with us. And we are so grateful to be in this place together, Lord, to commune with you and really uh, have that relationship with you. We know you're here. And also to commune and have relationship with other people here today. Uh, that is so important, Lord, to be uh, to being your body as being together together and uh, living in community and relationships with each other. So thank you for today. Uh, we open up our minds and our hearts to you as we open up your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to talk about our, our scripture for today is actually 1 Timothy 3, 10 through 17, okay? But before we get to that, uh, I don't feel right about just jumping into that. So uh, I'm kind of going to kind of talk a little bit about 1 Timothy 3. Uh, 1 through 9, okay? So, you know, it's always nice to go and to see what's before, you know, what you're reading today and kind of get that context uh, for it. And so, uh, one of the main reasons that Paul writes this letter to Timothy is to do what? To refute. Anybody remember what the false teaching, right? To refute false teaching teaching and instruct against false teachers and their message that they are spreading right Uh, or lack of a message really is probably the better way to say that and there are some key things that paul says to timothy in verses one through nine that i don't really want to skip right over okay so we're going to touch on those as well and so he states here uh in verses one through nine he says in the last days that's kind of the first thing that he says there in the last days and uh it refers here, the last days really uh, begin when Jesus, uh, with his life and his ministry and his death, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we kind of went over that uh, at one point this year and talked through those things. Uh, but and, and then his ascension into heaven, right? This is kind of the beginning of the last days. That's how it opens up. And so we are still in the last days today, scripturally, biblically speaking, we are in the last days today, too. Now, it's hard to know when the last days are going to come to a close, right? We don't know. We don't know when it's going to come to a close because Jesus says nobody knows the day or the hour which he's going to return, right? And so, but the last days will continue until Christ's return, all right? So until then, and here's what... Here's what Paul says to Timothy. Until then, things will increasingly be difficult. All right? This is what he says. Uh, so, welcome. We're glad you're here. Things are going to be difficult in life in the last days. All right? And, uh, and sometimes I sound. I, I feel like I sound like a broken record because <laughs> I always talking about these things. Like, you know, some people like to really just put a smile and everything's puppies and rainbows. But I don't necessarily love to do that. So, uh, so... Paul says here to Timothy, in the last days, things are going to become increasingly difficult. And I don't know about you, but I think I've experienced that. Have you? Uh, You kind of feel that each and every day of your life, right? And so uh, things are increasingly difficult, right? And I hate to say it, but it's going to continue to get increasingly difficult. And and so we all need to be aware of this. We all have to know this. And that's why our trust in Jesus Christ and our position in Jesus Christ is so uh, incredibly important, okay? So here's what he says. In the last days, people will be, and then he says a few things here. He lists a few things. People will be. And the first thing he says is they will be lovers of self, okay? Lovers of self. Now, has anybody else noticed that kind of self-help is at an all-time high? I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but, but self-help, self-love, self-everything is at an all-time high, right? I mean, as far as, as my lifetime Right? It's just growing and growing and growing. And so, uh, you know, I meet with Pastor Dave in a specific uh, uh, bookstore and coffee shop in Newburgh every uh, Monday. And we sit down, and if you're new with us, uh, that's our Newburgh campus. And Pastor Dave is the lead pastor of both campuses. Uh, we're the campus pastors, my wife Kim and I. Uh, but uh, but so we meet every Monday before our staff meeting over there, and we, and we just sit and we talk. And we look, you know... It, whatever it is, we're just, we sometimes it's just friends talking, right? Amen. So, uh, so, but, but here's the thing about, about that bookstore specifically is every time I order my coffee, I step over to the side, there's a table that has uh, spirituality, it's spiritual books, okay? And on that table, I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you that the majority of the stuff on that table is not biblical. It's just spiritual and it's just self-help, okay? And so, we have to be uh, careful about those things, right? Now, here's the thing. In one Christian book that, uh, that I know of, and I'm not going to give you the author or the name of the book, but this Christian says, you are meant to be the hero of your own story in this book. Now, I'm here to tell you that's not the Christian message at all, right? You don't need to be the hero of your own story. Jesus is the hero of every story if you are a Christian and a believer, a follower of him. And so uh, do I think that we as people should k- take care of ourselves and, and get away sometimes and reflect on God and his word and recharge? You better. Like I just did that. Kim and I just went up to Mount Rainier uh, two weeks ago and had a great time up there. Uh, you know, we hiked a lot and it was a tough hike, so it wasn't necessarily physically recharging, but you know, but we were recharging nonetheless and, and focused on God, and it was really great time. So I do think that's important, um, but when self is the center of our thinking, we've missed the focus. Amen. People will be lovers of self, he says here. And then he goes on, he says, and people will be lovers of money. Now, that's not too hard to look around and see. They'll be lovers of money. If you open up your eyes and you look around, you're going to see that very easily. Um... And then he says, you know, he talks about there's this list of things that he has here in the middle. And it says people will be proud, they'll be arrogant, abusive, disobedient, uh, children, they'll be ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, lacking self control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, uh, swollen with conceit. That's the list that he says in there, that in the last days, we're going to see this stuff more and more and more. It's going to become more and more difficult for us in the midst of all this. Now, you see all those things, right? We we see all of those things around us, and, and that's kind of the way it is. But in the last days, people will become lovers of money. People will become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God is what he says here. Now, our, again, our whole culture believes in pleasure above everything else, right? Like p- pleasure above all things, right? And so if it's all about me, then it's all about my pleasure, my desire, what I want, my truth. You know, all of these things are thrown around in the culture very frequently. People become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, right? And we see it today all around us with people who look to put their pleasure as the most important thing, the top thing, right? Like what I what makes me feel good, I'm going to do that. That's what we hear a lot of. Well, in the last days, we'll see increasingly those things happen, and that's certainly uh, not um, biblical or what God would have us to do, but we will see that around us, and we see it for sure. And then he says this, he says uh, he he says, you know." There's going to be an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. An appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Or a form of godliness, but denying his power. Now, what he's saying is, you know, there was plenty of religion, right? Plenty of religion, but it was only an imitation. A form of godliness that was void of the life-changing power of God. Now, if you look up, you know, I'm a word guy. I like certain words that stand out. I'll look them up, see what it means, you know, really get a feel for that. The word form here means a semblance, right? So it's appearing as, but in reality, it's not the same thing. It appears like it's the same thing, but it's really not, right? So there's a form of something, Paul says. And in these days, there was a form, right, of a... Of, uh, of godliness these false teachers had a form of godliness but frankly it was more for their own gain right and uh, and and so today we look around we see the same type of thing right there's religious ceremonies and events that take place and and uh, and and then but really they're only for the personal gain or whatever that person wants it to be but it's it, it, it's not really godliness it's just a semblance of uh, you know of uh religious of a religious ceremony really so the false teachers of this day prayed on susceptible women he says in this portion of scripture in the church who were loaded down with sins quote unquote loaded down with sins and led astray by their own desires hence they were always learning and this is what paul says they were always learning but never able able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth right so While Paul hopes that false teachers would repent, he paints an honest picture of the situation here and an honest picture of the future that is ahead, all right? So all of that is extra. Now we're going to move into the portion of Scripture that is for us today, okay? So there you go. So we're going to read through 1 Timothy 3, 10 through 17, and I'm I'm not going to lie to you, I bought some reading glasses because... My eyes uh, just like to play tricks on me when I read the Bible these days, okay? So I can read my screen okay, but when I actually try to read a book, it's just tough. So here we go. It makes it so much easier, right? I, I just admit that I'm aging and just buy glasses and it's like, hey, this is great. All right. So here we go. So after all of that, Paul moves into this section. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, My steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived." But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, uh, which are able to make you wise from salvation, uh, for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof and correction, for training and in righteousness that the man of god may be competent equipped for every good work i looked up and you were very blurry for a second here okay i gotta get used to all this okay so what we get from verses one through nine is a faith not worth following right Those are false teachers. Like he says, that that stuff is going to continue on, but for you, right? That's not the way to live. What we head towards now and what we just read through is a faith worth following. Now, Kim and I have been on a lot of hikes. You know, anybody in here like to hike? So we've been on a lot of hikes uh, through the years, and uh, and one that I remember specifically, and, and here's the deal. Also, you need to know this about me as a hiker I'm a payoff hiker. If the payoff ain't there, I have a real hard time wanting to do that trail, right? Like, if we walk along a river, it's fine, but, you know, I want to get up to the top and overlook something, right? I want to pay off. I'm a payoff hiker. All right, so one memorable hike that we went on was a place called Rattlesnake Ledge in Washington State, out, uh, I think it's I 90 um, as you're going to, towards uh, eastern Washington. And, and so you go out from Bellevue a little, a little ways, and, and ultimately then uh, you come to this turnoff, and, and you can drive up to this place called Rattlesnake Ledge. And it's a really beautiful hike, and you go up to the top and you overlook all the mountains over there and stuff, and it's really beautiful. Um, but I will say this, at that time, like we were doing an evening hike, right? We were going to do a nighttime hike, and that was the only one we've ever done because it didn't work out so great. But, uh, <laughs> but we got there, and, uh, and, and it was like go time, right? Like it was just switchbacks right from the start, you know, all the way up this, this hill. And, man, we had so many stops along the way. It was just like, you know, this is much harder. It was only like a three and a half miles jump, but it was like, this is like, hard, you know? So so we were stopping a lot, right? But here's the thing about the hiking community, and if, if you're not a part of that, you might not know this, but people are so encouraging in the hiking community, right? Like, they're really encouraging, and when you are struggling, uh, they're going to encourage you, you know, when you see somebody, you know? Uh, so on, on our way up, there were people coming down, and they were just saying things like, hey, you're doing great, you know, you're doing great, or keep going, right? You got this, keep going. And then, you know, many people would say, you're almost there, even if that was a bold lie, right? Like, like you're almost there. We're like, no, I don't believe that, but, but we're going to keep going anyway, thank you. And so, you know, um, that's just kind of the way it is out there. And uh, so very encouraging. Here's, what, here's my point in this, right? Like, it's very encouraging To hear from those who have gone before you, right? It's very encouraging to to hear from those who have gone up before you, who have experienced that, who are urging you on and and, uh, have set that example. You know they've been to the top. So they did it, right? So when they say, good job, it's like it's not just words. It's like they mean it, right? And this is kind of what Paul is pointing to here. Who and what you follow matters. Who and what we follow in life matters. Now, uh, you know uh, here's the deal my my uh, mother in-law is here today and and I've said this uh, I've used this uh, example so many times uh, throughout the course of my ministry and stuff but but being you know who and what you follow matters, and let me just say, my parents had a fire in their house in like nineteen ninety something or other three or something like that, right and uh, and so. I was working at Pacific Metal Company. My parents had the fire in their house, um, and uh, the only ones home were myself and my grandmother. I got us both out of the house, and, uh, and there was a lot there was some fire damage, but how many of you know, in a fire, most of the damage comes from smoke, right? It's smoke damage. And so most of the upstairs was all damaged and stuff. So my parents moved into like, the residence inn or something like that, you know, for like two or three months. Well, I didn't really want to move into the residence inn, so uh, Janice was so, uh, she was so kind to let me move into their house. And so I moved into their house with them. And here's the reality of it. Here's what I saw that I had never seen before. And And I have some wonderful parents, don't get me wrong. But I never witnessed this before. Every day when I would get up, I would come downstairs, and Janice would already be up, and she would be, like, over in this certain chair with her Bible in her, you know, in, in her flannel robe that she always wore. You remember that flannel robe, right, Janice? Okay. So so then she would be sitting over there in the corner reading her Bible, and it's never uh, Bible time unless you have coffee. And so there was also coffee over there. Each and every morning, this was the example that I would see. And frankly, I had never really experienced or seen that uh, on a continual basis. And and to me, that was just such a great example that, that this is somebody who, like, knew what their focus was, and that was speaking to me each and every time I would see that, right? And so it was just like, man, that is, she really means this, right? This is important to her. And so... You know, I think we all need to be able to see those types of things, right? <clears throat> and and uh, and so Paul basically reminds Timothy here that he's followed him. He says, you followed me, right? You've seen me. And he says uh, his life was a life worth following. Paul's life was a life worth following because... Uh, he, he was transparent. He was open, right? He, he didn't have anything to hide. He wasn't trying to hide things. He wasn't after financial gain or, or anything else, right? If that was the case, he wouldn't have done half the things he did. And, and so that's how he could say in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ, right? You don't say that if you're not really focused and committed to following Christ. And so Paul could say that. But he says to Timothy, hey, you've followed me. And then we move on and we see exactly what he means. You followed me in what? Well, in my teaching, right? You followed my teaching, Paul says. And what does that mean? Well, true doctrine, right? Not man-made religious mumbo-jumbo, but true doctrine. You followed me. You've seen it, right? True faith in Christ and Christ alone. Paul wasn't trying to add other things and saying you should do this or that or follow some of the Jewish laws. He was saying it's Christ and Christ alone, right, a rock-solid foundation for his faith to be placed in, and there were and are many false teachers, right, then and today that do not deserve uh, uh, people following them, okay, am just going to be real about that, and so I, I want to encourage you, be picky about who you follow, can I say that? Be picky about who you follow. Be selective about the people you allow to teach the scriptures into your life, right? Be selective about those people. Be critical when you think about what people are saying. Critically, like don't be critical about them and, you know, ah, he's losers or whatever. Don't be like that, right? But be but critically think about what's being said, what's being taught, what's being presented to you because how many of us know everything that's presented to us by a pastor isn't biblical, right? And so be selective. Critically think about what's being said to you and presented to you. Because just like we talked about last week, it's about a sound, healthy doctrine, right? Sound, healthy, biblical doctrine. So put it to the test. If it's spoken to you, put it to the test. See, make sure that this is correct and that I'm no different. You should go home and you should read what I'm, you know, what I'm saying here. You should make sure that I'm teaching you something that is sound and scriptural, right? So I'm no different. I'm not telling you, believe everything I say, but everybody else, right? You should go and double-check what I'm telling you because I don't purposely uh, try to lie to you, right? But sometimes I might be a, a little bit off, and you might come to me and say, hey, you know, I was thinking about this. So anyway, just understand, like, like be critical about those things. So uh, so Timothy followed Paul's teaching. He followed Paul's conduct, Paul practiced what he preached, right? His manner of life backed up the message that he was speaking. He stood up for what was right, even when it was unpopular. If you read your Bible, boy, you see that all the time, right? He loved the church and was an example of what it uh, it meant to live out the message of Christ, right? And he even spoke about being poured out. His life was being poured out as like a drink offering, right? His life was being poured out. Uh, And and so he loved the church and was an example for the church. And then he talks about, you followed, Timothy, you followed my aim in life or my purpose, right? That basically... Depending upon the translation you have, it might use either one of those words. But my aim in life, and it refers to his purpose. His purpose was always about being about the work that God called him to. And ultimately, he was very set on finishing the work that God had called him to. If you follow his letters that he writes, he speaks of this often. He wants to finish the work that God has put before him and the ministry that God has given him, right? By, uh, and along the way, it's by faith and by patiently enduring and by loving the church and those that God put in front of him until the end of his life steadfastly. This is what his purpose and aim in life was. And then Paul says, and you followed my suffering in ministry, right? We don't like to hear about this stuff. But he says, you followed my suffering in ministry, his persecution was something, and, and maybe you'll remember this, his, his persecution was something that the Holy Spirit spoke to him. Do you remember that? Uh, in, in Acts, I believe, when he was leaving the Ephesian believers, uh, they, you know, he's like, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to take this money, the offering, back to them because they're struggling and they need this. And so he's like, so I'm going back there. And he says, I don't know what lies ahead. Do you remember this part? And he says, but what I do remember What I do know is that suffering and prison lay ahead. These are the things that he says, right? The Holy Spirit has told me that as I go forward, the suffering and jail or prison time is what lies ahead. It's going to be difficult. And the Ephesian elders are like, don't go, don't go, right? Stay here. They're crying. They're weeping with him. Stay here. And what does Paul say? I've got to go, right? Because he's going to walk out what God has called him to do. He wasn't going to stay behind because there might be trouble ahead, right? And so Timothy saw the suffering in ministry, right? Where was Timothy from? What town? Anybody know? Lystra. He's from Lystra, right? And so this is one of the towns that Paul says, you saw my suffering in these different places. And Lystra was one of those towns. So Timothy would have certainly been aware of how Paul would have struggled when he was coming through his town prior to him being a part of the ministry and going with Paul. So, you know, so he states all of these things, and then he says, but the Lord rescued me from them all. And I just want to say this, to serve Jesus as his doulas or his huperatus means that we will suffer too at times along the journey. And if you were here last week, you know what doulas and huperatus mean, right? That means a slave, a slave of Jesus Christ, And that's the way Paul describes himself uh, in his relationship with Jesus. He's a slave to Jesus Christ, right? But the Lord rescued him from those things. And indeed, Paul states here, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. So don't be fooled by buying self-help books or self-love books that tell you, hey, everything's going to be so good you know and and life is just so good just make sure to go to the labyrinth you know 10 times a year and walk to the center of it and you'll be at center with your who you are all this stuff don't do those things right i'm sorry i'm I'm a little facetious at times but but here's the deal you know life is not going to be like that and so if you buy those books throw them away now all right because you read the bible and the bible says a different message right just speaks a different message to us. And and this is the way that it is. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't keep, that we should fear what's ahead, right? That doesn't mean we should be afraid of what's ahead because we're in Christ and that's what matters more than anything else. So we should never fear what's ahead, even if it does get difficult. Amen? Are you with me? I hope everybody says amen there. But, uh, so, what a joy it is to serve the Lord and know Him deeply no matter what else happens, right? And so, Paul urges Timothy to continue in what he's learned and not be deceived by the imposters of the day, right? Those people are only looking out for themselves and for their personal gain. And Timothy says, uh, Paul says, Timothy, you've been taught the scriptures, Timothy. You know the scripture. You firmly believe the scriptures, right? And he says, you've learned it from trustworthy people, right? You've learned it from trustworthy people. I got a. a, When I was a, a kid, I went to a Christian school um, went to burlingame baptist church as a kid and then also went to west hills christian school and then ultimately west side christian high school but i remember as a as like a first grader because i never went to kindergarten okay so don't tell anybody but i i i went to in first grade i got the i got a, an nasb a new american standard uh bible and it didn't have any study notes i had no idea what i was reading most of the time but i had the word there and and it was right there, and, and so I needed it for my Bible class and for those types of things that I would ultimately have. Mine had a blue cover on it. The rest of my siblings had a red cover and a different color. You know, so it was all these colored covers on it. And uh, and I had the blue colored NASB uh, Bible, and I loved it. Like it was great. Right? And so I'm so thankful for that Bible. I used it through school, right? All the way through school. I had it when Kim and I were first married, and, and when I started getting serious about my relationship with Jesus, uh, when I was working at, at uh, Pacific Metal Company, I would, on my breaks, I'd have that and I'd read it, and I began to understand it a little bit more at that time, right? A little bit more. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I love that Bible. here's the thing I'm thankful for the Word of God being introduced to me and taught to me at an early age and in school, right? I'm thankful for that. At some point in elementary school, even I began to sign all my papers to Pastor Clint. Like, it's the weirdest thing. Like, why would I do that? You know, and, and so I started, I started to sign the Pastor Clint, I'd turn them in, the teachers thought that was really cute and everything. And, and frankly, my mom still has a bunch of those papers uh, from, you know, elementary school, because that's what moms do, right? And so she still had them, and I got some the other day, and it was just like, and, you know, and there were times in my life that people were probably like, that's never going to happen, right? If they knew me, they're like, that's not going to happen. But, but frankly, God is faithful, Right? And he knew something that nobody else knew, and I didn't even know at the time. But that's just what I did. So so knowing him at an early age is vital, right? Knowing about him at an early age is vital through the Word of God. And let me just say, not only knowing about him, but knowing him personally at an early age is even better, right? Now, we learn... About him through the Word of God, through the Scriptures, right, and then we have a relationship through that, through the Holy Spirit that keeps us uh, in communion with Him at all times, and so it's this amazing thing. But you know, I learned Scriptures at an early age. Now, I might not have always understood everything, right? But I was learning them, and I was knowing what was in Scripture, and I was learning about who God was, about who Jesus was, right? And so, here's the thing: this is why. Kim is not sitting on the front row today. I don't know if anybody noticed that. She's not sitting on the front row today like she usually is, giving me smiles and encouragement. She's actually in the Life Kids ministry today because we believe that Kids are important, right? That's why Ginger Carney is, has committed to two different Sundays every month to be in there. And so we have some people who are saying, you know what? The kids' ministry is important here, and so we're going to step up, and we're going to make that happen because kids are important. Learning the Scriptures at an early age is important. Does anybody here with me today on this? It's the most effective time to reach people with the Word of God, Right? with teaching the Word of God. It really is the most effective time. Uh, A few years back, the International Bible Society did a study and they found what was called the 4 to 14 window, right? Anybody ever heard of that? 4 to 14 window. And what they found is that 83% of the Christians that they talked with, that they put the survey out to, made their commitment to Jesus between the ages of 4 to 14. And then from 15 to 18 it drops and then from 19 on it drops even lower and so 4 to 14 is this age that most uh believers make that initial commitment to jesus right and so ministry to kids is vital and that's what that's what paul is saying to timothy timothy your mom and grandma taught you the scriptures And we know them. They are trustworthy. They had the faith, and they passed that faith to you, and now you walk in it, right? And now also Paul had the uh, the opportunity to speak into his life and to be an example for him as well. The Scriptures lead us to a knowledge of Jesus. They're rock solid and dependable for us to trust. And guess what? They're profitable too. That's what he says here. They're profitable for teaching for correcting and rebuking, in instruction and training. But I'm afraid too often, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, get a little, I get a little bit nervous about the future of the church when we don't see these things actually being uh, being walked out, right? They tend to be ignored. And here's, and here's what I'll say. I think too often in the church today, we see others who have made that public commitment and claim of faith And yet they began to, maybe when they began to get off course and they're walking out maybe harmful or sinful habits, we tend to ignore that rather than to boldly have a conversation in a loving and truth-filled way with each other. And, and, and so here's the reality. In our independent American culture, we tend to think people don't want other people in our business. We'll just leave them alone. And they might feel that way. Maybe we, maybe you feel that. Maybe maybe I feel that way. But Paul instructs otherwise here and is even more pointed in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 12. And here's what he says there. He says, For what do I have? To do with judging outsiders those who are outside the church what do i have to do with judging them because frankly why would we think that an unbeliever is going to live like a believer i don't know why we think that in the church like what is what's our problem right like if they claim to not follow jesus would i then be shocked that they're not living morally how i think somebody should live right so he says for what do i have with judging outsiders it's not those is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. So what is it that we judge? What is it that we judge, right? We judge what is right and wrong based off of what Scriptures teach. Not off of what our own opinion about it is, because that's an easy thing to jump to, right? Well, my opinion is that. What gives you the right to, you know, we don't have the right in and of our own opinion, but the scripture leads us and guides us. And then we have the right to speak because it is what scriptures teach. It's not what Clint Reeves thinks. It's what the word of God thinks, right? And when we see a brother or sister who's off base with what scriptures instruct, we can and should approach them in love and truth to help use the scripture to Gently teach, correct, instruct those things together. This is what we do. But also, make sure you're not taking a speck from somebody else's eye when you have a redwood in your own eye. Okay? So be careful about that. Don't be swinging around the redwood, you know, and you're like, hey, let me help you with that, you know, while you're clubbing everybody. So be careful about that, right? But scriptures teach us, they correct us, and they train us And to what end is that? Well, that the man or woman of God may be equipped. Equipped here means made suitable or completely furnished. Right? Look that word up. It's incredible. Right? Made suitable or completely furnished. Now, how many of you in here would build your dream home and not furnish it at all? Wouldn't that be a little weird? Like you got this beautiful home, but you don't furnish it at all. Right? We would not do that because it wouldn't be made suitable for us to live in. And so, Scripture supplies the teaching, instruction, and training for every believer, and the Holy Spirit provides the ability to understand it and be empowered to walk out every good work that's set before us in life. And so, here's, what, here's where we'll end with. Who are we an example to, right? Who are we an example to? Are we an example of a faith worth following? And ultimately, are we equipping competent believers ready for every good work by the word of God, right? So we're going to go through a reflection song here quickly. And I want you to reflect on these questions and really seek the Lord and say, I don't know, Am, am I an example of faith worth following to those who are watching? Because I promise you, somebody's watching you, whether it be at work, whether it be at home, you know, wherever it is, somebody, a neighbor, somebody's watching you. If you make a commitment to Jesus and people know it, they're going to be watching you. And so are you an example of a faith worth following? So let's uh, reflect on that question as we uh, sing through this song, and then we'll come back together and we'll end service here in a second. We do want to declare that, Lord, and, and that all that we are is yours. We are yours, so do what you will. Lord, we are thankful uh, for your presence here with us today, Father. We're so grateful to you. Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that, and today you might be drawing them to you, uh, I would pray that they would uh, sense that and be willing to submit and turn and repent and turn from where they've been to follow you and to walk in the newness of the life that you provide. And so, Lord, may that be true today. Every week we pray this because it's so vital. We want people to come into relationship with you and have eternities changed for whole families and generations to come, Lord. And we believe that that can happen in you, Lord, even in the midst of difficult days and difficult times that lie ahead and are even among us right now, in you we can see this transformation and we can experience it and walk in it every day and have a, a, a security in you, and that is so vital. We want to say thank you for being here today in our midst, and when we open your word, God, you speak to us. It is life-changing life changing life-changing. We're grateful. We pray these things together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, everyone. It's Pastor Clint. I want to thank you for joining us today for this podcast, and I hope it was beneficial for you. Our vision at Family Life Church is simple, to create a safe, an authentic environment for people to encounter Jesus. If you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please don't hesitate to send us an email at admin at myflc.org or connect with us via social media on Facebook or Instagram at Family Life Church Newburg. We'd enjoy hearing from you. Again, thank you for listening today and God bless you as you pursue Him.